Good morning and welcome to today's episode of The Daily Oz. It is Friday the 10th of June. Hope you've had a fantastic weekend. For a lot of us, we are heading into a long weekend. Good timing. There's plenty of sport on. It's nice and cold. Feels like winter. But today, we're going to warm you up with a conversation with Maddie and Sophie from You're In Good Company. We're going to be exploring Top Gun, why it has been such a phenomenal financial success and what it means for the future of the film industry. But first, I'm joined today by our editor, Billy Fitzsimons, to help us through the news. Billy, what is the top story today? The New South Wales government has committed to spending $743 million on palliative care in this month's state budget after Parliament voted to legalise voluntary assisted dying last month. The package would include employing extra nurses, doctors, support staff and health professionals and will also improve access to pain management resources for patients with life-limiting illnesses. The ACT government has endorsed a proposed law that would fine people with small amounts of illicit drugs, such as cocaine and speed, rather than charge them with a criminal offence. Under the proposal, police would continue to target dealers and suppliers carrying quantities of illicit drugs that can be trafficked. The European Parliament has approved a draft law that would ban the sale of new carbon dioxide emitting vehicles from 2035. The Parliament is the directly elected institution of the European Union, which plans to cut greenhouse gas emissions to at least 55% below 1990 levels by 2030. And today's good news, both houses of the New York State Legislature have passed a bill that would ban the retail sale of dogs, cats and rabbits in pet stores. The bill promises to stop the flow of cruelly bred animals into New York and now awaits the approval of Governor Kathy Hochul. We're joined in the studio this morning by Mads and Sophie from You're In Good Company, a spectacularly good podcast I would recommend checking out after you've listened to today's episode of The Daily Oz. Mads, let's start with you today. I want to feel the need, the need to talk about movies. It's been a pretty good return to the cinema for a lot of us, and there's one movie that's really capturing the world's attention right now. What can you tell me about Top Gun? I'm a bit distracted because Sam, you actually kind of look like Buzz Lightyear, but the BBC is reporting that Top Gun Maverick has broken box office records this week. So for those of you who haven't seen the OG Top Gun, myself included up until very recently, much to my housemate's horror, it is a 1986 film starring Tom Cruise, and it really is the greatest symbol of pro-America, peak empire, sort of US soft power. And the film really flaunts the strength and skill of the US Navy, and it does so in an extremely glamorous way. It's safe to say the sequel has not disappointed, giving Tom Cruise his first US 100 million US dollar opening weekend in cinemas. And it's actually now Tom Cruise's first film to gross over a billion dollars. So by that metric, it's really Tom Cruise's most successful film ever, which is a pretty remarkable achievement this soon after its release. Matt, when a movie does this well, what are the financial impacts of their success? Yeah, so if we go back to the original film, not only have references and quotes from the film really emanated into culture to the point that I didn't know even know that some of these references were actually made famous by Top Gun. So the need for speed, I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you. But at the time of release, Ray-Ban sales exploded because everyone wanted to look like Tom Cruise. 
So fast forward 36 years, a lot of people wanted to see Top Gun Maverick to find out if 59-year-old Tom Cruise has still got it. And this is a news podcast, so I will reserve my judgment. But this week, the Wall Street Journal published an interesting piece on another reason why the film has been garnering a lot of attention, and that is the flags on Tom Cruise's iconic bomber jacket. So back in 2019, there was an early trailer released for the film showing Tom Cruise putting on his jackets with two flags on the back of it. And in the original film, these were the flags of Japan and Taiwan, but the patches appear to have been replaced with two obscure symbols in the same colors. Now, some critics were not happy, saying that the change was to appease Chinese censors and avoid jeopardizing the release of the movie in China, which has come to be one of Hollywood's most important foreign markets. But It gets even more interesting because one of the film's largest investors also happened to be the Chinese multinational technology and entertainment conglomerate Tencent. That's really interesting. Speaking more broadly about the film industry globally, is there a sense at the moment that to really make it as a film, you need to make it in China? Yeah, I mean, I think that really was the thought going into this film. However, it sort of maybe has proven itself otherwise. But since the original film, we really have seen the rapid growth and expansion of the Chinese economy. And there was a point in time in which China was building 27 new movie screens a day. And in 2020, the Chinese film market actually officially surpassed the US as the world's biggest box office. So every movie in Chinese cinemas has to be approved by the Ministry of Propaganda in Beijing. So it's pretty fair enough that sort of filmmakers in the US would be willing to do what they can to make sure that their film can end up in Chinese cinemas. Thanks for that, Mads. Now to you, Sophie. I'm really keen to hear what you have to say about this idea of greenwashing, particularly in the context of investment banking, because I know there's been some interesting developments this week. Firstly, for me, as much as for everyone listening, what is greenwashing? Yeah, so greenwashing is when a company will mislead its customers about the sustainability of their products or services. So this can really refer broadly to ESG principles, which can be either environmental, social or governance issues. Some good examples would be, you know, McDonald's introducing paper straws and they were saying that they're better for the environment, but they weren't actually recyclable or someone like H&M coming out with their H&M conscious brand when we all know that H&M is notorious for burning its clothes. So on Tuesday this week, 50 German police raided Frankfurt's office of Deutsche Bank's asset management arm, the DWS Group. Now, it's not every day that an investment bank gets raided, but it was all because of allegations by the former head of sustainability that the fund manager had made false and misleading claims about its ESG credentials and in fact had been greenwashing. So obviously these are still allegations at this point and now there's going to be a lengthy formal investigation into the bank's activities. But I guess speaking more broadly, what does ESG mean in today's context? And more so, when a bank does not fulfill its ESG obligations, what does that actually look like? Yeah, so ESG is in regards to environmental, social and governance. And with greenwashing, it really comes down to the fact that you are greenwashing when you say you're doing something in that space and then you're not doing it. So in the case of DWS, they've been accused of making misleading statements in their 2020 annual report that it was supposedly had more than half of its $900 billion billion of assets invested under ESG criteria. 
Now, for a lot of asset managers, ESG can mean a lot of different things. You know, it can mean that you're not investing in fossil fuel stocks or others might be wanting to hit green targets. But when I did a little bit of digging into DWS, I found a couple of examples, you know, on their nicely pictured background of a beautiful global world. There's a policy about their controversial conventional weapons and they avoid getting into any contracts or relationships with people that have links to these types of weapons. But this is also the bank that was nearly fined $700 million for money laundering claims with Russia. So it kind of does take a little bit of looking under the hood with this one. In Australia, whose job is it to regulate the ESG promises of banks, financial institutions and the corporate sector? It's a bit of a grey space and maybe in Australia, ASIC has some power to do some greenwashing reviews, but Europe is definitely leading the way in creating sustainability reporting directives and creating ESG standards. And given its popularity with retail and professional investors, I think it's an area that will come under a lot more scrutiny and hopefully there'll be more clarity for investors in the near future. It's actually going to be a really interesting period for this part of the economy because we now have a Labor government that's going to be very focused on climate emissions and the promises the private sector are making. They're also going to be interested in a tough regulation on things like the Modern Slavery Act and other sort of metrics of how companies are treating their employees and their customers. So we'll keep an eye on this space. Mads, coming back to you now, what is one story you have your eye on this week? So this week, the RBA has risen interest rates by 50 basis points or 0.5%. This is the second increase in a row. And I think it's been 11 years since we've seen two increases or maybe even 12 years since we've seen two increases in a row. So banks will be pretty quick to pass that on to their mortgage customers because it means that the banks will get more money through the door. But they are traditionally a little bit slower to pass on to savings accounts because that means that the banks have to pay us for the money that we deposit with them. That's right. I'm definitely keeping my eye out to see if we can get ourselves some higher interest rates on our savings account. (laughs) It's a long way off buying a home for a lot of us. So that's the best we're going to get right now. What about you, Sophie? Definitely Apple introducing a buy now, pay later. I think this space comes under a lot of scrutiny and a lot of those big companies in that space have come under scrutiny. So it's really interesting that such a big company is also backing this kind of credit line of payments. So it's one I'll be watching and I also will be interested to watch what happens to buy now, later stocks with such a big company coming into the space. Maddie and Sophie, thank you so much for listening and hope to see you back on The Daily Oz as soon as we can. For everyone listening at home, have a wonderful long weekend for those in states that are celebrating the Queen's birthday. We'll see you on Tuesday. We'll give everyone a bit of a break over the long weekend. If you want to catch up with the news, though, over the long weekend, we're going to be active all weekend on Instagram. It's where you can find the news that 370,000 Australians follow. We'll see you there. Have a great one.